okay? Welcome back to Trust God, Bro. So according to PNC's Christmas price index, True Love's budget is $38,993.59 for every item or $170,000 for the repeated gifts. They have done this like every year since 1984, and it's super interesting to see how the prices change for, you know, two turtle doves and a, a partridge and a pear tree. But even more than True Love's kiss, we need the gospel. And I wanted to do a 12-day Advent, you know, the 12 days of Christ-centeredness on an attribute of God each day and a different meditation on an attribute of God. And at the end of every episode, I wanted to just give a couple of discussion questions for you to think about or to ask a friend. So this is day one, and I wanted to talk about trusting your creator. The reason I wanted to do this was because I was doing my devotional on the Psalms. I was finishing the last pages on a commentary on Psalms 51 through 100, and Psalms 100 struck me, Psalm 100. The the verse was, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. I was taken off because of the way it says God claims us, Notice the statement, who God is and what he does with us. He is the Lord, and we are simply chosen of his. His beloved people and sheep. It made me realize that my heart was performing out of moral strength, trusting that for hope instead of God, which would explain the uppity-downness of my relationship with God lately. And um, I just realized I just need the gospel so much, and we need the gospel so much. So more than 12 days, I can only do so many episodes, but every day we need it. We are prone to forget and obey out of moral obligation. We either think we are killing the game or we wallow in self-despisement. The gospel is completely different. You know, it it offers a third way um, through the gospel of Christ that who laid down his life. We don't have to... um, be a slave to the law, but he has freed us and given us a new life entirely. And so through faith in him, we can be justified and made right in God's sight, which gives us joy and which leads to obedience. So that's why it's good for us and it's good for you. And and it's no trouble to me. It's, you know, it's not um, too much. And so, like I said, each day will be a different meditation on an attribute of God. The Psalm We'll meditate on for this is Psalm 100, which speaks of God as our personal and intimate creator. To kick this Advent off, I wanted to start with this psalm because it's one of the primary ways we relate to God. In the most rudimentary form, we relate to God as our creator. So this psalm, Psalm 100, is one of the royal psalms in a more joyful section of the psalms where there's, uh, in the surrounding chapters, the words for joy to the world inspired Isaac Newton for these verses. A psalm for giving thanks, Psalm 100. Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Hmm. Rejoice. So, verse 1 says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. 
This is an unmistakable tone of joy to this psalm. Imagine the most joyful moments in your life. How many of them involve shouts of excitement? You know, winning a big game, passing a class you thought you would fail, or opening up the gift you've been asking for years? I mean, I just got a big assignment back from a class. I had a borderline 68 or 72. I had to pass this class. And after that assignment, I knew I didn't have to worry about the failing grade anymore. And I would definitely pass. And maybe... Not well, but still passing. So when I found out, I shouted out to everyone else in the house. He said, yes, I'm going to pass. And a group of 1,070-year-olds broke down the most happiest moments of their life. And so this is what they said. The 12.3% said that the birth of a first child is one of the happiest moments of their life. 11.5% said wedding day. 10% said birth of grandchildren. 8.5% said the birth of another child. And 7.4% said the day of retirement. 6.7 said moving into a new home, 5.5 said seeing your child's first steps, 5.4 said hearing your child's first words, 4.5 or meeting the man or woman of your dreams, and 4.4% said the first kiss with a man or woman of your dreams. And so these were the happiest moments of a thousand seven-year-olds. Now compare this to the joy in Psalm 100. This is no passing excitement. This is a lasting joy that erupts into a roar, louder than the FIFA World Cup. But what is the focus of our affection and ultimate joy in this verse? What is this verse talking about? And it's the Lord. He is the, the focus of our affection and joy. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. This is what it says. The volume of worship is loud. The call to worship is global. The psalm declares the whole earth singing. This is the reality of, of God of all creation. Habakkuk 2.14 says, the, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Pastor Matt Mason puts it plainly, the Great Commission is not wishful thinking, but it is where history is going. And so, since God is the Lord over all creation, His glory will fill the whole earth. And this is His reign and His majesty. And it is a promise that His glory will fill. As as the waters cover the sea, it will cover the earth. And this takes us to how much the worship covers. It is not just a, a Sunday show up, but... This is true. It's a fact. The scope of worship is total over all the earth. Verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. It incorporates a whole life worship that encompasses everything we do. It's Our whole life is covered with gladness to serve Him. And Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. We come into His presence to experience the greatest joy we could ever experience. Come into His presence with singing. And this is where it gets perplexing. How can God personally welcome sinful men into His presence? And this is the answer. We enjoy God through Christ-filled lenses. Lenses that see that God stoops down and joyfully lays down His life for His friends. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend. John fifteen thirteen. This is who Christ is. We think we have to earn his friendship, but no, he claims us. He loves us and lays down his life for us. Jesus said, we know that we are his friends if we do what he commands. In verse 15, it says, Jesus no longer calls us servants. Instead, he calls us friends for everything that he learned from his father, he made known to us. 
verse 16, Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Yes, we acknowledge our sin in the light of God's holiness. We see that God as our creator is so much higher than is it than us. His thoughts are much higher. His ways are more pure and holy. But along with that, every Sunday, we remember the good news of what God has done about it. Jesus came, lived, and died to save us from our sin, to claim us for God, and to bring us into God's forever family. For all who hide in Jesus, the rock, for all who have trusted in his perfect work on the cross, we can celebrate good news not only every Sunday, but every day we can rejoice and relish in this truth. If the truth of the gospel gets into our bloodstream, our worship will have an unmistakable note of joy. So who is this creator God that demands our worship and is rightfully deserving of it? It is the God of the Bible, the Lord, the Lord. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Who can remove how God speaks personally to each one of us from this text? Where he fully captures our hearts by sending his spirit. Our hearts are adverse to receiving his love. His heart is quick to pour it out while we are slow to receive it. That's why the gospel truth needs to fill us ever so deeply. So we can know these three things from this. It says he is God. He made us and we are His. We have difficulty feeling that love of Christ personally. But if you turn from your sin and trust in Christ, there is a guarantee no matter what. Dane Ortland says that we have a natural aversion to the heart of Christ. We think it's kind of odd. It's like, why would why would God do this for me? And we, we, we are slow to receive this. And it's, it's difficult for me to believe and for all of us. So in Gentle and Lowly, Dane says this, There's an entire psychological substructure that, due to the fall, is a near constant manufacturing of relational leveraging, fear scuffing, nervousness scorekeeping, neurotic controlling, anxiety festering silliness that is not something we say or even think so much as something we exhale you can smell it on people though some of us are good at hiding it and if you trace this fountain of scurrying haste in all its various manifestations down to the root you don't find childhood difficulties or myers-briggs diagnosis or freudian impulses you find gospel deficit you find a lack of felt awareness of christ's heart All the worry and dysfunction and resentment are the natural fruit of living in a mental universe of law. The felt love of Christ really is what brings a rest, wholeness, flourishing, shalom, the existential calm that is for brief gospel-saying moments settles over you and lets you step in and out of the storm of worksness, the workness of everything we're caught up in, that we have to go out and work and justify our existence, the verdict is in, nothing can touch you. He has made you his own and will never cast you out. So, thanks, Dane, for that. And um, so, what is this application for us? How does this work in our lives? What does this mean? The psalm ends in verse 5 with a call to spread the word. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So to every generation, not just every nation, but every generation, um, 
to declare his faithfulness, to feel it and declare it. He really is good. He really is for us. God created us, chose us, showers his love on us through Christ. And the result is we love others because he first loved us. So to end with some discussion questions, I wanted to ask this first question. How could you help someone grasp that worship is involving the whole of one's life and not just one part, say, Sunday service? What would you say to someone consoling them? And then the next question is, does your approach to gathered worship include both reverent stillness, but also enthusiastic joy? Which one seems more prominent and why? So spend some time if you want just thinking about those questions or maybe asking a friend about those questions. I think they may be helpful to you. And I would just wanted to thank Matt Mason, Jim Shaddix, and David Platt's commentary on the Psalms, and Matt Mason specifically on Psalm 100 for helping me through this chapter. If you're interested in reading it, it's called Christ-Centered Exposition, Exalting Jesus in Psalms 51 through 100. Yeah, so thanks for listening to the first day of the Advent um, about the attribute of God, the attributes of God, and trusting God as your creator. So thanks to Derek Rumble, my brother, for the intro and outro. He has music on Bandcamp. You can Google search it, Sounds from the Outside Bandcamp, and it should show up as one of the first ones. And um, look it up. He has some great music, and um, I really appreciate what he did for me. Tomorrow we'll talk about trusting God's faithfulness. Trust your creator, bro.